when I, I think when a lot of people think about Jubilee, um, we think of you being a prophetic church. That's sort of almost a reputation that you've got, I think. So Rob's off prophesying in South Africa. There's a bunch of people down in Bedford learning to prophesy more. There's some lots of prophetic words today. Um, I, you know, I'm guessing that a lot of you would say you, know, you are growing in the prophetic. Um, could I have a show of hands if you want. Anyone feel that? Yeah, quite. So as a chunk of the church, that's not bad. And um, certainly, when we think of Jubilee, we, we think of you being a prophetic church. Um, Rob phoned me up last um, November or, or sometime around then, just phoned up and said, I think I've got a word for you. And it's been something that has was absolutely timely, spot on. It's something I keep coming back to. I've preached on it. Um, you know, and it's you know, a wonderful reputation for uh, not a big church. Your reputation, I think, is bigger than you are. And I, I really believe that's something from God. I think it's great. I think it's something that is to grow. And, uh, you know, I know Steve, I know your heart for the poor, I think, is amazing and a real gift to church as well. And I know that's going to be a foundational thing in the church. And I think that's also prophetic. God, God's heart is for the poor. And, you know, that has to go alongside, hand in hand with the prophetic. You can't have one without the other, I don't think. Or, or if you do, you're missing something. You know, I think the two together are very powerful. Um, I moved up to Birmingham of 15 or so years ago and, and, had a dream where we were leaving Bedford where I had been and we were arriving somewhere to plant a church and you know it was such a vivid dream I knew God had spoken so I woke my wife up middle of the night so we're going to plant a church she said where are we going and so I don't know I didn't get to that bit yet so we, we so we spent two years praying and and I remember just pacing up and down streets around the Midlands praying God if this is where you want me to spend the rest of my life I'll do it and just hearing nothing at all and we had two years where um, nothing happened and it was a really odd couple of years but during that time one of the things that God really did was to put something in our heart of you know a longing for cross-cultural you know, friendships and things. And it wasn't something I'd been very good at or had many friendships across cultures before. But God did something to us during that year. And then we moved up. We, um, we picked the most, you know, a, a good multicultural place to move to. And we moved up there. And, and that's the story, really, of how, or the potted story of how we came to be where we are. We're following a, a real heart to go to a multicultural place. And just before we moved up, um, I got a trip up to Birmingham with Dave Devonish, who does everyone know of or know Dave Devonish? Yeah. So um, got a chance to travel with him. And we're, we'd been to a meeting in Bedford, and we were just driving back to the M6. And we drove, drove past the bottom of Hansworth, and there's a sign. And I said, Dave, that's where I'm going to be in a few months' time. And he, and he said to me, if you're going to plant a prophetic church in Hansworth, it has to be multicultural. You can't build a prophetic church for this city unless it's multicultural. And really, that's what I want to talk about today, because I think God has gifted you prophetically. You've got tons of prophetic gifts, depth of it, maturity. That's wonderful. You've got God's heart for the poor. I think that multiculturalism, if that's a word, is, is the other thing that God wants to add to you. 
as a church. And that's what I want to really speak about today. Um, where we live is quite a Sikh area, and we've got lots of Sikh friends, and pretty much every Sikh person I know is Punjabi. And if you say I'm Punjabi, really it kind of means that you're Sikh, mainly. And there's the two go hand in hand. You know, Sikhs come from the Punjab, the Punjab is a Sikh place. Um, we've got lots of Muslim friends, and lots of Muslim friends come from Muslim countries. And on the whole, the Muslims that we know come from Muslim countries. They have grown up in Muslim countries, and they're living in Britain now, but they've come from the Islamic world, the 1040 window we sometimes talk about. And we, we also know an increasing number of people marrying into Muslim families and becoming Muslim. But on the whole, Muslims come from Muslim countries. And you, know, you can say, if you say, I've come from Saudi Arabia, really you're saying, I'm a Muslim. And, and there's a link, isn't there? There's a sort of geographical link. Our, similar, you know, if you say I come from Israel, probably you're saying I'm Jewish. Jews come from Israel. The, the, there's a, a link. Our God is the God of the whole earth, okay? And it has to be that it can't, he can't just have a one culture church. He's not a Western God. He's not a, an African God. He's not a, a South American God. He's the God of all nations. And his church has to show something of that. It, it can't be okay for the church to just be one culture in a multicultural city because he's the God of all nations. There, there has to be something of God being Lord of all nations that's shown in his church. And actually Sikhs talk about the Songhat, which is the worldwide community of Sikhs. Actually, there's real divisions in Sikhism. So, you know, it's meant to be non-caste but actually, if you're in the wrong caste and you go to a certain Sikh temple, you, you get beaten up. I mean, it, it's brutal. Um, Muslims talk about the Ummah, the worldwide brotherhood of Muslims. But actually, if you're a Yemeni Muslim and you go to a Pakistani mosque, well, you wouldn't go to a Pakistani mosque. There's real divisions in Islam. And I'm guessing there are divisions in every place you look because people are divided that's that's something in human nature God's church has to be different from that, there has to be unity if God is the God of the whole world, if God's God of all nations, there has to be something different, okay, and what I want to do is just split today into two bits, if I can, I want to just talk about what God's plan is for the nations for a few minutes, and then I want to talk about how we can do some of that here in Birmingham and so if that's all right and and I know a lot of this will be very very familiar but even if it is I just want to say it again just to remind us because I think it it just is so helpful to remember what God's God's got such a massive heart and massive plan for the nations and for what he's doing in his church towards that so um if you've got if you want to follow this in, in your Bibles, I want to talk a little bit from Hebrews, not from Hebrews, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, and a little bit from Ephesians 3 for a few minutes, and then I'm going to dot around all over the place after that. But I just want to read something about God's plan for his church from Ephesians 2. Okay, 
It says this. For G, um, this is um, verse 14 onwards. For Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to both you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This wonderful picture of the church in in Ephesians. What he's saying, this is Paul writing to Gentile, non-Jewish Ephesus, um, and he's writing, uh, using the picture of the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And the temple had different courtyards. So there's a most holy place, then a holy place for priests, then a holy place for for, um, a sort of court for Jewish men, then another one for Jewish women, and then there's the court of the nations um, on the outside. And, And to get from the nations, the Gentiles court, into the Jewish bit, you had to be a Jew. And there was a polite notice above the gateway that said, this is a polite notice, if you're not Jewish and you come in here, you'll be killed. Um, Which (laughs) fits it nice and neatly, thank you very much. Um, But there was absolutely no way through. There was a dividing wall of hostility between the two. Jesus came and he tore it down and bashed open a way for the the Gentiles, the nations, to come into God's presence. Okay, I'll come back to that in a minute. But um, just moving on, um, Hebrews 3, sorry, keep saying Hebrews, Ephesians 3, verse 10. um, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Okay, the word manifold... um, literally in the Greek means very varied or diverse okay uh, some people would translate it multicolored wisdom of God so what he's saying is God is God's plan to demonstrate his multicolored wisdom to principalities and powers that's rulers you know earthly rulers and also spiritual forces get to see the wisdom of God through his church being multicultural that's how he chooses to demonstrate his wisdom to people who are watching now I believe that God's given you a voice, and it's a voice that's much wider than just Solihull. I believe that God's given you a prophetic voice to the city, to the nation, to nations. You know, it's not a surprise or coincidence that Rob's jetting off to South Africa right now. Wish I could be with him. But but God's got great plans for you. I really believe that. 
Okay? If you want the city, the, the, the government, the local councillors, MPs, rulers and authorities in this city, and also principalities and powers, you know, spiritual forces, to look at you and say, look at the wisdom of God in that church. Listen to this church. A Jubilee church, we've got to listen to them because they've got something to say. If you want that to happen, then the way that God's wisdom gets demonstrated is by you being multicultural in a multicultural city. I believe this is something God, you know, it's not my nice idea and I think you should agree with me. I think this is something God wants to do amongst you. This is God's plan. It's not my plan. I really believe this is something God wants to say to you as a church. Okay. Nothing else can do it. Um, political ideologies have tried to unite people. Um, you know, the Soviet Union joined everyone together and said, we're all now communists, we're all together and we're Soviets and we're, isn't this lovely? Actually, it's terrible racism in Russia towards Tajiks and Uzbeks and, and things. There's the Crimea, there's you know, the Ukraine problems there. There's division that no political organisation or ideology can bring together. Okay? It, it can't be done. People can talk about unity, but actually... nothing can change people's hearts. God has saved the ability to do that for himself. His wisdom is shown in joining people who are diverse together. That's something he reserves, that only he can do. It's impossible without God doing it. But actually, the spirit is always working for unity. So without God, it's, it's an impossible task. With God, it's something that it is inevitable. It's going to happen. Okay. Um, and it's wonderful. When God does something, he breaks down dividing walls. That's always the work of the Spirit, is to, divide, to break down divisions. The work of the Spirit today is to break down divisions between people. And I remember... Um, when I was a bit younger, you know, there were the troubles in Ireland going on. I remember seeing a, an ex-IRA man and an ex-paramilitary Protestant guy who'd both come to faith, going around touring together, and before they'd have wanted to kill each other, now they're brothers and they're going around talking to people about Jesus. And, and people took notice. They're saying, you know, people were saying, how is, this is an amazing thing. This, how did this happen? Well, it happened because the wisdom of God. Two weeks ago, I was spending time with a Serbian pastor and a, his friend who's a pastor from Bosnia-Herzegovina. A few years ago, Vlada, my Serb friend, was in in the Serbian army, he'd been conscripted during the war, and he was fighting against the Bosnian Herzegovinans, the Herzegovinans, um, whatever the word is, them, Bosnians. And, and now they're brothers, and they're praying together, and, and they love each other, and they visit each other's churches. And a few years ago, they'd have had to kill each other. Now they're brothers. It's an amazing thing in a place that's still very, very divided, God's wisdom in his church is showing this is what God does. He, he loves to do it. Okay, so that's 
what God is doing right now. And that is outworking his plan for the nations. And I'm just going to whiz through the whole Bible for a few minutes and just remind us of what God's plan is for the nations. And then, then I'll talk about how we might be able to do that in, in Bur- here in Birmingham. Do you call yourselves Birmingham or am I stepping on any toes? <laughs> You're Birmingham. <laughs> There's no dividing wall of hostility between Birmingham and Solihull. <laughs> you can be honorary Birmingham for today. How about that? <laughs> um, okay. Um, God spoke to Abraham um, after he almost sacrificed Isaac and didn't, and God says, Stop. Now I know you trust me. And God says, Genesis 22 is such a foundational bit of the Bible. I will surely bless you, Abraham, and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you've obeyed me. There's this promise, unbreakable covenant promise to Abraham. It's for all nations. Then going on through the Old Testament... Um, Isaiah 2, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and the nations will stream to it. That's always God's plan, the nations. It's too, Isaiah 49, it's too small a thing for you to be my, uh, a servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've kept. I'll also make you light to the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. That's, you know, it's too small a thing. It couldn't be that Israel could hold God's blessing in. It had to be for the nations. It was always the plan. This is what the Lord Almighty says. This is Zechariah 8. Um, This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten men from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we've heard that God is with you. I was doing, I was delivering some leaflets a couple of years ago, just doing doors, knocking on doors. It had been a dreadful evening. Nothing had happened. And I, I prayed that. I, I said, God, one day this is meant to happen. Why isn't this happening? Why do we never see this happen? And within 20 seconds, someone grabbed my sleeve like that. It's Hansworth. I thought I was going <laughs> to get followed by a punch or something. But this guy grabbed my sleeve, wouldn't let go. And said, what are you giving out? And I said, these are leaflets um, about our church. He said, I want one. And he was quite aggressive. He was saying, give me a leaflet. He grabbed hold of me and he, he was demanding a leaflet. He said he'd come. He never turned up, has never turned up yet. But, but within seconds of me praying, God, this isn't right. I've never seen this. It happened to me. Okay. Um, now, actually, the Jews never got it right. Okay, out of all the Jewish prophecies about the nations, only one prophet went to the nations, which who was Jonah, who didn't go willingly, okay, and was grumpy when they did repent, but he went to Nineveh. Nineveh repented for seventy years, they followed God. God's judgment got held back seventy years because he went there. Um, God took them to the nations a few times in exile, but but they never did it. Okay, and then Jesus came, and Jesus went into Jerusalem, and he went into the temple, and he saw people selling, you know, changing money and, and things in the temple courts, specifically in the Gentiles' court. They were so far away from expecting God to do anything, 
to the nations that they had just turned it into the marketplace, that here's a spare room, it's never going to get used, we'll just sell the doves here. And Jesus was incensed at that. He had, the anger of God burned. And Jesus turned over the tables. And in Mark 11, it says, um, he overturned the tables of those of the money changers and the benches of those same doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. Okay, what was the anger of Jesus about? It wasn't so much about people making a quick buck and probably overcharging for doves. That probably wasn't a good thing, but that went on probably in lots of places. The anger of God was at them stopping the nations coming to God. Okay, that, that, there's anger burning in Jesus because of this. So he kicked them out. There was violence from the Son of God against this thing stopping the nations coming to, coming to him. Okay, and then all the way through Jesus... You know, everything Jesus says is pointing to the nations. If you look at the Bible through these eyes, all of the plan of God is for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. And you know, so I was preaching today about um, this morning about the triumphal entry. All of the prophecies end up with nations, nations, nations. He's, it's all pointing to the nations. Then um, after the triumphal entry, some uh, Greeks come to Jesus and, and he says, now's the time. And up to that point, he's been saying, it's not my time yet, it's not my time yet, it's not my time yet. The Greeks come, now's my time. Uh, and so the glory of God spills out of, out of Israel. Um, and then obviously there's our great commission, isn't there? You know, so Jesus says, um, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to, to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And that's all of our job, isn't it? That's all of our job all the time is for the nations. And then Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, I think it was Dave Devonish that talked about this once and, and he said, Jerusalem, that's like our city. Um, Judea, that's like the district. Samaria, they were people who are geographically quite close, but culturally different. And then the ends of the earth is the ends of the earth. But I think in Birmingham, we've got a lot of equivalent to Samaria around us, haven't we? We're, we're in a, a good place for that. Okay, and then just finishing off the story, you know, through the church, you know, there's the amazing church in Antioch that's made of... Um, well, there's Pentecost people from Bithynia and um, Medes and Elamites and Mesopotamia, all these people gathering, that speak in tongues, that sort of undoes the curse of Babel. There's, you know, all the nations back together again, gift of tongues, we understand what everyone's saying. Um, and then um, through Acts, there's, you know, this amazing church in Antioch made up of Different, you know, multicultural leadership team, and then finishing off the whole Bible in Revelation, um, you know, Re- Revelation 5, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain 
And with your blood, you purchase men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. We're all going to spend eternity worshipping with every language, every known language. Isn't that wonderful? Um, So that's our destiny. That is going to happen. We're in the process of making that happen. Okay, and um, so I forget who it was. Someone said, you know, Jesus, Jesus went so the Holy Spirit would come. The Holy Spirit came so that we would go. We go so that Jesus will come. And, you know, that's our job. That's where how we're living as the church today. It, multicultural church isn't an, option, isn't a, an optional extra. It's the purpose of the church. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing all the time, is bringing us together, dividing the walls of hostility, coming down, making one new man in Christ to show his wisdom to the nations, to reach the ends of the earth so that he'll come. That's the mission of God through all of scripture. Okay. So what might that look like here? I think it, for me it's helped so much to be theologically convinced on this and I didn't have a starting place of being really good at this or speaking loads of languages or being really clever or anything like that um, but I got theologically convinced about this I read the Bible and I'd not seen any of this before but all of a sudden the weight of God's plan hit me and it's been hitting me ever since and I started off moved to Birmingham under the premise that if there's going to be every tribe, tongue, language and people in heaven, then it's got to be possible on earth. We've got to be working towards that on earth. That was probably quite naive. We made some stupid, stupid mistakes when we came up. Um, so you know, first year we were here, we did an alternative Diwali party in Hansworth, thinking that will reach some Sikhs. Um, so we got a £10 box of fireworks and thought we'd invite all our Sikh neighbours along. And then someone said, how would you feel if a Muslim invited you to an alternative Easter party? And I thought, probably wouldn't go really. So, um, so we made loads of silly, clumsy mistakes. Um, I knew nothing. My starting point was zero. But I, I was theologically convinced that this has to be possible on earth that we've got to see this on earth okay if we're going to be prophetic if we're going to be a church that shows the wisdom of god it must be possible okay and so just want to share some of our thoughts and i'm aware that people in in this room will be at hugely different places with this some of you will have many more friends across cultures than i do and like fully but I know that. Some people, maybe this is a starting point. So I don't know you well enough to place this, if you know what I mean. So forgive me if I'm saying stuff you already know or isn't, re- isn't very relevant. But just want to share some of the things that we've done on the way or learned on the way. And I hope that's okay. Um, but all of this, I think, needs to come from a place where we, we believe this is God's plan. And we believe that if, if God does this, then people will hear, people will take notice. It's like, going to be like a megaphone to the prophetic gift and the mercy gift that God's already given you. I really believe that's the case. 
And I think the first thing I'd say about how is God really doesn't mind it if we take very, very little first steps. Okay, God is very happy to work with very little clumsy first steps. And for me, how I started getting to know people from other cultures was I started saying hello to people who lived up my street, which isn't rocket science really. And then eventually people started saying, would you like to come back for some food? Would, you, would your family like to come for a meal? And I said, yes. And that, that was about all it took. And for quite a long time, that was as far as my cross-cultural gift went, was I wanted to respect and love people from other cultures, and I wanted to say yes when they invited me back for food, and I got to eat lots. And, and that really is... The big secret that I wanted to share today is eat food with people, and that's good. And I know Solihull, like I don't know the demographics so well for, for Solihull, but I know that there are immigration centres in, in Solihull. I know there's a court, an immigration court just up the road. And I know that people from Hansworth, who I know, come to Solihull to meet people from other cultures. And I know that there's... My wife works for an organisation called Hansworth Welcome, which works with asylum seekers and refugees. I know there's a Solihull Welcome as well. I don't know if anyone here is aware of that or involved in that at all, anyone. And I know I've got a friend who's um, an Ethiopian pastor... And he comes and hangs out in Solihull to meet other Ethiopians who are new to the the Midlands. And this seems to be quite the landing point for a lot of people who move to to the Midlands, is Solihull. God's put you here for a reason. It, It doesn't mean you need to be really good at it. I think it just means being in the right place and being friendly. And it's amazing how unfriendly Britain can be. And it's amazing how many times I've been the very first white person or British person ever to talk to one of my Sikh neighbours who's been here 20 years. And it's amazing how many times I've been told I'm the first British person who's eaten a meal with them in years and years and years. It doesn't take a whole lot of clever gifting. It just takes being in the right place and being willing to be friends. And, and I think that alone will make a huge difference. For, for us, that's been the thing, that, that's been the strategy, really, is just doing that. Okay. Um, I think as God brings people from other cultures, I think... It's really important that we, well, a couple of things. Firstly, that we realise we don't need to be have all the cultural answers and be spot on in terms of what we say and what we do. And things. I don't think that matters so much. But I think we've all got to be bib- aiming to be biblical rather than cultural. And, and I think... The challenge for us, I think, is not to expect people to come from other nations and fit in with what we do in a British way, but that we're all heading towards being more biblical and 
you know, so that means that there are things wrong in British culture, believe it or not, that we've got to work on as well as there, are, there is in every culture. And there's blessing and revelation of God in every culture. And so, you know, a few years back now, I preached for quite a long time about hospitality. Because actually lots of cultures are much, much more biblical in hospitality than we are. And in, in Britain, I think we've got an awful lot to learn. We don't do that by trying to be more culturally sensitive. We do it by aiming to be more biblical. And I think God's, you know, the, God's word is absolutely universal. It's amazing. It fits every culture. So I think the more we aim to be biblical, the more we're going to meet and befriend other cultures anyway almost as a byproduct, I really believe that. Um, the Bible talks about giving people special honour, and I think what, what I'd hope we try and do in our church is to give special honour to people who are, I don't mean weaker or different, because you know, I'd hope everyone's giving special honour to everyone else, but I think just have a heart of wanting to honour other cultures and people from other cultures, you know, and going to people rather than expecting people to come to me, I think is a really important thing. I think there's the truth is we've all got prejudice in us. We're all naturally scared of other cultures. And I think we need to look in our own hearts and ask God to deal with anything that's wrong in our hearts. And God, God happily will answer that prayer because that's what his spirit's always doing. He's always breaking down dividing walls of hostility. He loves to do that. But I noticed after a while we had a number of um, Indian people and African people and different groups of people coming to church. We didn't have any, um, any Caribbean men coming to church for a long, long time. And I started praying about it. I thought, gosh, actually... I've got a bit of a fear in my heart of, you know, I've heard stories about, you know, Caribbean gangs or whatever in, in Handsworth. And I, I realised something, some fear had got into my heart and I repented of it. And I just thought, I've got to deal with this. So I joined street pastors, you know, working in um, some more Caribbean areas of Birmingham, partly in order to serve a Caribbean church that were doing it and partly to get to know Caribbean young men, some of who were in gangs. And I just thought, I've got to deal with this. And, and I'm ashamed to say it, but there was fear which led to prejudice, which le- led to racism probably in me. And I, and I think probably in most of us that's the case. And it's not a British disease only. I think it's an international disease. And we need to allow God to deal with fear in our heart. Of, you know, and, and he'll graciously do that. Okay, um, I think we need to realise that as God brings people from different cultures, it gets messy. Um, there are more things to sort out. The church in Corinth, I've heard lots of people say, it's a bit of a mess, the church in Corinth, there's all these issues. Actually, it's just a really multicultural city. Um, and I think a lot of the things in Corinth were just multicultural issues. And... I think they're doing quite well at lots of them, actually. Um, someone said about the church in Corinth, um, they had a Jewish community that had a, a day's rest every Sabbath, every seven days. The Greeks had a day of rest every nine days, and the slaves didn't have any day of rest but could get to church meetings after they'd finished their work late at night. 
Someone said, how do you do a kids' work rotor for a church like that? I mean, it's totally messy, and there's all sorts of issues, and it, it gets messy, and it gets that people make mistakes and misunderstand, and it, it all is messy, and there are issues to get dealt with. Remember the, you know, the widows, and who's getting the most food? Is it the Greek widows or the, you know, the Jewish ones? You know, there, there'll be issues like that, and there'll be real issues. But that's okay. It doesn't matter to be messy because this is a work of God. And I really believe God will bless it. And just the last thing I'll say um, is I, I think the aim of being multicultural church, and I mean, I know there are many single culture churches in Birmingham, many, many. Um, a couple of weeks' time, meeting with a, a, an Iranian church leader. God loves their church. God loves, you know, the brilliant. A few weeks after that, I'm meeting with a Congolese church leader. He's a godly man. And that's brilliant. God loves Congolese churches. God loves Iranian churches. God loves Caribbean churches. God loves white churches. But God's work is to bring people together. And it might not be we all become one church, but I think there at least needs to be closeness and friendship and dividing walls of hostility torn down between his churches in order to make us one. That's what the work of the Spirit's doing. One of the real challenges, I think, is being multicultural throughout the whole church. And this is a real challenge the church in Cape Town is that where Rob's going? Cape Town? Or? Oh, right, okay Cape Town had a big church anyway, they were doing amazing things post-apartheid in, in South Africa thousands of people coming to faith um, they struggled and struggled to get a multicultural eldership they, they prayed and they fasted for years for that okay. but I think we've got to do that. that. That's the direction I think we've got to be aiming in, is whatever way you cut the church, it's multicultural. And that, I think, is a display of the wisdom of God. It's hard. We're, you know, a few years ago, we got to a point where we were 50% white British, 50% not white British. The area we meet in is about 94% lots of cultures and 6% white British so we're, we're not anywhere near it and our aim is to get to the point of being as multicultural as the area we meet in is but actually we've lost ground on that over the last few years we're struggling we're not I'm not in any way claiming that we're it and we're further on we're really not Okay, but we're convinced about it and that's the way we're heading I really believe that God wants to do something prophetic in you and I think as he does that people are going to take notice and it's incredible how much a little work of God can be noticed and seen and and heard it's amazing how much that can amplify what God's doing Um, before I moved to Birmingham I worked in the King's Arms in Bedford in uh, for a few years in the discipleship house night shelter there and it was a right mess and there were i think six workers and about three or four or six residents kept messing up and vanishing off again and you know getting back on drugs and coming off drugs and coming through again and it's it it was anything but professional it was a mess okay Uh, i was a, a spotty 21 year old 
I didn't know what I was doing. None of us did, and it was a real mess. Okay, but but amazingly, the mayor of Bedford took an interest in it, and then politicians, your home secretaries, have come to visit what's been going on in Bedford. It's still a mess, really, um, but because it's demonstrating something of God's heart for the poor it has a voice ridiculously bigger than it deserves. I think when there's true multicultural unity, the world will take notice. I really believe that. Uh, and I really believe that this is God's pla- God's put you here for a reason. God's put you in a very strategic place multiculturally. And I really believe there's blessing of God on you for that. And, and it's almost like a megaphone that he's going to give you prophetically you know, to grow your prophetic voice as you grow multiculturally. And I, I really believe God's going to start or increase that process. You know, just, I just almost see God's foot on an accelerator with it and really believe that's what God wants to do 